Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or also on BitChute and YouTube, Speaking Podcast. I also have the Meditation Podcast, the Learn Polish Podcast, and the Awakening Podcast, and all can be found on roycolin.com. Today, my guest, author of a lot of books I have seen, please welcome Mike Ecker. Hey, thank you so much, Roy. Looking forward to talking with you here. Looking forward to diving in, talking about public speaking. Yeah, no, definitely. So I always like Mike. You might tell the audience who's Mike. Yeah, who's Mike is author, post speaker, coach, and really for many years I did nonprofit work and then I did corporate work, and again and again I saw this recurring theme in my life that I like to help people discover and realize their potential, and so that's my whole mantra right now is helping people discover and realize their potential. So I even have a, a small little company that publishes books. Once again, just helping people realize their potential. So again, again, that's who I am. Excellent, excellent. So I always like to know the speaker's journey. And uh, I think uh, yours might have began in Mexico. So you might just tell us uh, how you were as a child speaking in front of people and everything. Yeah, you know, my speaking journey actually goes back to elementary. I was living in the United States when I was in elementary school, and I had a speech impediment. So I could not say the letter J or the, the sound J. And I would get words like shoulder and soldier confused. I couldn't hear the difference. And I was very motivated. My mom tells me that I was very motivated to be understood. I, I hated that people couldn't understand me and would ask again and again, what did you say? What did you say? So I went through a speech therapy and then my mom started helping me with different presentations, even as a young age. So right when I got to a spot where I was finally comfortable and not insecure and anxious in front of people, we moved to Mexico. My dad comes home one day and says, I left my job. We're moving to Mexico, which no one should ever do. No one should just come home and quite literally in family dinner, just tell everybody. It was the first time for my mom to hear it, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they got up and went into the other room and had a conversation. And so, so my dad left uh, being a lawyer. We moved down to Mexico and now we were doing nonprofit work down there serving amongst the poor. But my parents sent me to a private school. And really when we went there, it was me with no ability to speak Spanish at all and being thrust in front of the entire class to talk. And I remember the, the first year, what happened was so bad. I, I told my dad, hey, maybe I should go to a Spanish-speaking school. I was thinking a private one. But at first, before he threw me in a private one, he threw me into a, an inner-city public Mexican school in a large metropolitan area. And I show up, and the entire school, the entire school gathers around me to just look at the awkwardness of a tall fifth grade, blonde hair, long blonde hair, blue eyes, all arms and legs, all awkward, buck teeth like crazy, the whole entire school. No one spoke English and I didn't speak any Spanish. So just talk about setting me up for anxiety and fear. I used to get psychosomatic fevers, like hype myself up because I knew I was going to have to go to school. And that stayed on for a while. Eventually, eventually, I embraced Mexican culture and really loved it. Absolutely loved it. Still love it today. But for a while, it was it was really, really anxiety, fear inducing. No, that's a that's a hard step. So there's a few things that I want to go through, but one of them is because I know you've got your own podcast, and 
I mean, I saw the professionalism with the camera work. I, I don't know, like there's com coming from an angle and then it kind of zooms in and everything. Have you got somebody standing there or have you your cameras set up? How, how do you actually go about that? Because that's something I need to do to up the, up the level. Yeah, so first of all, like I invested quite sincerely into my my backdrop and so i actually created the wood frame behind and anybody who's doing a lot of zoom i always tell people set your backdrop up because it cleans up the edges around your face and cleans up i do a lot of communication coaching and so i have this backdrop i actually have two other backdrops because i do keynotes right from my office and so i've done large presentations for 400 people in front of people right here in my office it's not a huge room, but I did like a faux brick wall behind here. And then over here on the other side, I have a, two drop downs, a block, a black and a blue one. And then behind me, I got this wood panel and I got a bookshelf with my books on it, with my dad's book and with a record player and, you know, some other things. So that's the first thing I did was set that up and that looks good up or down. So uh, the second part of that is my desk can go up or down. And then I have a total of four different cameras in my office. Three are the same uh, high high definition 4k webcam it's the brio logitech it's about a 200 camera it's what i'm looking at you on right now and then i have one over here one over here then i have a separate camera that i don't usually use uh, and then i have all of these on different so this this one that i'm looking at you on is just on top of my monitor but i have another one all kind of on a swivel arm and then i have another one on this bar that's off to the side so when i go up i can put those at different angles and they all look at me. And so I set a record on all of them at the same time when I start my, my videos. And then when I get the videos done, I upload them into a raw file onto a Google Drive that I share with my video editor. And then he goes in and takes the three different ones, makes sure that the audio is all synced up and makes sure that they all work with each other and goes back and forth. So. So I would love to take a lot more credit for it, but really, uh, Muhammad Halal is the one who does it for me, and he's just a great guy who has been helping me for a while, and and so that's been been a great thing. And then he takes the audio and puts it off there and and puts it in my intro and outro. Okay, no, because it's it's very professional the way that uh, you know it looks natural. You know, sometimes people do it and it's kind of hopping and everything, but it's done very well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And then what I do for keynotes is I just take the same cameras and this camera's looking here. The camera that's off up to my right looks over at my blue and black backdrop and then my other camera looks at my my brick wall. And so I literally can move around and then I have a switcher, an ATEM switcher. And so I just push the button and I go back and forth. And I could use that. So if I wanted to do in a YouTube live, I could use my ATEM switcher to just go back and forth between different camera angles even while I'm doing one of these. Excellent. So since you mentioned the keynotes, um, like obviously you've done keynotes before this craziness kicked in, but you might tell us the difference of how you had to adjust from being on with, with a stage and then how you prepare yourself as well for the keynotes. Yeah, absolutely. So before, before all of the pandemic broke out, when I would do a keynote in front of people, obviously you're there in person and you want to be looking around some of the keynotes, though, were also streamed elsewhere. So I'm speaking to a large group, but there was a camera. And so I got used to looking at the camera even while I was doing just my normal public speaking. And I would be looking at the camera as if I'm talking to the audience there. And often what I would do in those environments, and sometimes the rooms were quite big, so my 
my picture of looking at the camera was also streamed into the room. So it streamed elsewhere, but it was also streamed into the room. So I'm doing a large relationship speech and there's 3000 seats in the room and I'm looking towards the camera, almost always towards the camera, maybe some of the people around the camera as well, but always towards the camera. But what that did is the side screens made it look like I was looking at the audience all the time, as well as when it was stream streamed elsewhere. Now, I say that because then I switch over to this whole pandemic world. And already I'm used to looking at the camera when I'm talking to Roy or talking to somebody else. But now when I'm doing a keynote, what do I do? Well, I already know how to look at the camera. And the, the big, huge principle when it comes to virtual communication is look at the camera when you're talking to others, look at your screen when you're talking, when you're listening to others talk. And so there's a going back and forth. So I already had that principle down. And then it was just about optimizing my space. I, I really knew also that in virtual communication versus, versus in-person communication, you need a lot more give and take. So in a virtual communication, you don't solicit audience participation very often. You might do occasionally something like, do you remember the time when this happened? And everybody goes, yeah, that's right. So you might do some of those, but in in-person communication, just the fact of being there solicits their attention. When you go to virtual, because now you're at a screen and people aren't used to just being there and it's not it's not rude to pull out your phone or look at the browser, <laughs> not seemingly rude when you're on the screen. It means that you have to solicit their attention a lot more. So when I'm doing a keynote for a company or training or a workshop, I was teaching several hundred teachers a little while back. And in that, I kept on looking for ways to get them engaged. Like, okay, take out your pen right now and write down this. Okay, take, take a moment and ask yourself this question. I'll pause. In the chat room, what do you think about this? And so there's again and again, every seven minutes, at least every seven minutes, I'm doing something that requires their participation. Nice, yeah, very, very good. And with the training that you're doing, then you're like, I, I know that uh, you've got a lot of big end clients. So one, what kind of training are you doing from? And two, how do you land such big clients? Because, you know, a lot of people aspire to have a big, you know, like Apple, Microsoft and all these kind of uh, clients. Yeah, absolutely. The the big thrust into that for me was relationships and then my the success of my book. So I published uh, Speak With No Fear two years ago, two years ago, right about now. And it just took off. I mean, I promoted it. I did the things that you're supposed to do with the book, still promoting it today, buy Speak With No Fear. <laughs> you know, I still promote it two years later. In fact, I'm next week I'm releasing a second edition and a workbook. So I'm promoting, promoting, promoting. Oh, Roy, it's getting translated into Polish in, in 2022. So all these cool things, right? Well, I promote and promote and promote it took off the content grabbed a hold of people and it's unlike the other books out there so that gave me also when i got over 100 reviews people were thinking man this is a legit book so at that point in time i started having people read my book who were part of these companies microsoft and and apple and um, someone super high up in the chain in amazon very very high up there they were reaching out to me. In fact, the gentleman from Amazon, he he was in an airport. I've never found my book in the airport, but he found it in the airport and bought it and then came out to meet with me. And so it just became this thing where it really helped people, grabbed a hold of people. So that that opened the doors for me right there. 
and and the second part was relationship. So several of the people I would work with them as a client, and then I would say, is there an opportunity to do something for your company? Uh, so I have some people right now that I'm working with individually, CEOs, and as it goes well, they'll say, why don't you come in and teach us to the entire team? I did that for one CEO. It's a, a very large, very large company in uh, Florida, uh, the largest of its type in Florida. And I worked with the CEO first, and then he flew me out. And this is actually in January, starting to do some in-person, and I worked with his larger team. Excellent. And um, like the the book is what speak with no fear. So mm -hmm. what what yep. does it, what 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 are you covering in it? Just for those that might be interested in uh, in getting it. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's it's almost a motivational, inspirational slash strategic book. So I have a lot of people like it because it is anecdotal and I tell people my own failures. <laughs> so they're like, oh, this guy. I literally had one person on Audible say, if this guy can be a great public speaker, anybody can. I'm like, hey, great. <laughs> I'm glad that was your takeaway. So I'm glad you were encouraged. <laughs> and, and ultimately, though, it's got this motivational, anecdotal, inspirational part where I tell some of my own failures and and then it talks about the strategic. Here's a strategy for overcoming that fear. And ultimately, it's about that professional or that person who needs to do, I don't know, wedding toast, anything. And in that, there's this anxiety, there's this fear, there's this nervousness. And what do you do about that? How do you overcome it? So I present seven strategies to help people overcome their anxiety and their fear. There's so many professionals who have the credentials, the experience, the background, they got all of that. And yet they have this crippling anxiety and there are steps that you can take to overcome it. Right. And uh, like I know, listening to one of your speeches, you you said you still feel, you know, the the feeling of, I, I wouldn't say extremely nervous, but just the like the jitters or just, Mm -hmm. I didn't get. I get that as well, and I mean, I I think that's just that you care because if you didn't, it wouldn't really matter. And yeah, that's exactly it. I, and that's why I say, like, you don't ever want to get to a spot where you don't get jitters, that you don't get nervousness, that you don't get anxiety, that you don't get nervousness to some degree. Like, if you go from scale from zero to ten, you you want a one or two, because if you don't, then it means you really don't care, or it means you're so arrogant that you think yourself so incredible that that doesn't matter. And both of those are really going to connect, disconnect people from the, from listening into you. So you should have a sense of like, Oh, okay. This is coming up. Oh, okay. Here I go. Because that means, Hey, you care. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, like the other one is writing a book and, you know, you've mentioned earlier that it's landed your clients, but I don't think people realize it's a lot better than the business card. And so, you know, you're, basically giving people the structure of writing because there's a lot of, I mean I, I've actually written a book but I, I was advised not to because I'm exposing a lot of corruption so I had to hold off on it but there's a lot of people they go down the wrong route with the book even going with the publishers or the you know self-publish what's your tips on that because I, I think for any speaker it's definitely an advantage for them to have a book yeah you absolutely need it and and the content has to be good and what I've realized is that there's a lot of people who have book and as a calling card, but it's it's a horrible, awful book. And I know people that I've worked with and done stuff with. And, you know, they're like, hey, I got a book. And so I picked it up. I read it. 
I was at one event and the speaker's like, I got a book and I'm gonna give it to all of you today. And I start reading it and it's like badly formatted and it's awful, it's poorly written. And it, for her, it was a business card. That's exactly what it was. There was a couple of good things in it, but I thought, man, this is, is so poorly done. If, if you're gonna do something, do something that's gonna represent you well. And so with that, um, I generally encourage people, yeah, get a book, invest in it. It's, it's like an education, you would invest in something. Invest in getting a really good developmental editor. So write all your stuff out there, put it all out, out there as well as you can, and then get it heavily developmentally edited. I mean, they're gonna go through and restructure things and rephrase things and such. I, I switched services with somebody when I did my first book and I did what's called content editing. Just she gave me opinions on the different parts of the book. And, and then I took it and I switched things around. I wrote it myself, every single word of it. I wrote it, but I'd also been writing for 18 years in different ways. Not a lot of people had that experience that I had. So, but even now, now I'm going, okay, every single time I write a book, I'm going to go back through and I'm get some extra pairs of eyes. I'm gonna have a couple different readers go through it. So write a book, but write a book well, get the people that you need to do it. And then once you release the book, so first of all, actually write a book, write it well. Second part, produce it well. So a lot of people self-publish. And I was working with a guy recently. He's like, I wrote a book. So I looked it up like, oh yeah, that was self-published. And the idea of self-publish is almost like, oh yeah, you did it yourself and you can tell. And ultimately what you want when you release a book is for people to go, oh, this looks legit. This, this looks real. Like when I read books, I can often tell because a publisher will go through and fine tune and make sure that there's no problems. Oh, yep, corrected, 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 corrected. The formatting's almost always on par. The It's been fine tuned in all these different areas versus self-published book. It's almost like the author gets to a spot and goes, eh, good is good enough. And uh, you read through it. It's like inconsistency in formatting, inconsistency in bolding versus all caps versus underline. It's got all of them and you can tell. So you want to write well, you want to produce it well, publish it well. And third, you want to keep on promoting. Now, what, what people don't often realize about traditional publishers is that unless you are a big name like a Obama, Trump, you know, put one of those politicians up there or a celebrity like Matthew McConaughey, unless you're a big name, the, the publishers won't publish your book and promote it. It's up to you. So I had a publisher, a large publisher, reach out to me and ask me to publish Speak With No Fear. It sold 10,000 copies within one year. And people said, can we publish it? I had two publishers, one really big. And I said, what does that do for me? And he said, honestly, not a lot. And other than now I could say a traditional publisher picked up my book. It, but, but ultimately, it comes down to you having to promote it. And so for me, I promote my book and I promote my books. And, and actually, I have one book I wrote that I don't promote at all. And guess what? It doesn't sell at all. It only has 20 reviews. It was just kind of like I want to release it. And so I released it. And every now and then somebody picks it up. But the majority of what I do is promote the books that are really calling cards. And Speak With No Fear is definitely it. I have other ones that are coming out that are just months away from co coming out. I've been working like crazy on producing books this year and then releasing them. So if you want to write a book, here's what I would tell you. Yes, you should write it well, spend the money, 
get the developmental editors, call me. I have a little, I have a publishing company as well. We do this. We call this kind of niche publishing or boutique publishing, hybrid publishing, if you want to call it that. And then produce it well, publish it well, make it look good, make it grab attention, and then promote the heck out of it for all of the years that are ahead. And uh, I see as well. I mean, like if I if I was in a, a bookstore, I would be drawn towards it because the yarn, the color, it's just you know sometimes people they they don't take um, much attention to the the cover, but you I can see the, the the books behind you and they they grab your attention, and I, I think that's important as well. People don't realize that. Yeah, do you see this one right here? This is my uh, this is one that I did for my dad, the big huge pirate head, pirates, scoundrels, and saints. And so I proudly display that. That's my dad's work that just came out as a novel. But you know what? I mean, whether you do a novel or you do something, I think it's there's so many great reasons. There's legacy that happens when you publish a book. You're leaving behind your words, so make sure they're good words. And you you have the the influence and the impact. You're influencing people, or you're entertaining people, and of course the business that comes from it. Brilliant, brilliant. And when when you're on stage, then like how do you re remember your uh do, do you uh, what way do you practice yeah so a lot of people think they should memorize the idea of what they should i really think you should know the flow of what you're doing so think about like think about like memorizing street roads to go to a certain place versus knowing key turning points so some people are like okay you're on fifth and then you take a right on rosalie and then you take a left on cherry and then you take a right on lincoln and they're memorizing all of the roads. And then you drive 4.5 miles down this road. Well, you can't memorize the GPS. That's what the GPS is there. And then other people in a speech try to just refer to the GPS. They're just staring down at it the whole time. But that's not very good either because then you're disconnecting with the audience. So they're either trying to memorize it, like, hey, be the GPS internally and memorize the street roads and memorize the mileage and all that. Or they're trying to look at it the whole time or the third, and this is really the best, is know the, the key landmarks. So I don't always know the roads that I'm traveling on or telling people, but if I'm in my hometown and I tell people, I say, okay, go out of the neighborhood, take a right at the roundabout, and then you're gonna go down that road for a while, and then you're going to hit a stoplight. Go through the stoplight and keep on going until you hit a stop sign, and that's at a church with a graveyard, take a right there, and then stop at the donut store. See, now it's like, okay, I get it. Those are the big parts right there. I didn't tell you any mileage. I didn't tell you any street name. I just told you about four or five things that you can remember. A speech should be much more like that than it should be like looking at a GPS or memorizing the GPS. So know, know your intro. I'm gonna start out with a story about this, or I'm gonna start out with an interesting statistic about this, or I'm gonna start out with what this famous person once said. So start out with your intro and understand it. If, if you don't understand something, it's hard to communicate it. And so a lot of people don't fully understand what they're saying. As a result, they have a hard time saying it off the cuff. So they have to memorize it. But if you understand it, you can communicate it. I can, under, I can say things about, oh, I don't know, math or some communication, but I couldn't speak to you without heavily looking at my notes about internal medicine. I mean... I know the basics of it, but I couldn't speak to you about it because I don't understand it, but someone else could. So understand your point, understand what you're doing. So understand your intro. And then from there, pick one, two, three, four, five points 
and know them. The cool thing about communication is if you were to do the exact same interview with me tomorrow, I would say something different because I know the topic and I can pull from that bucket different aspects of it. I don't have to repeat it every time. And so then I go through my first point, go through my second point, third point, I'm pulling from the bucket and I know it and I've organized it. I might leave out something in, from the bucket that was cool and that's important, but you're not going to know. You're not going to know if I didn't say what I could have said. As long as I'm connected to you, you're going to feel like I'm honoring you with the good content that I pull out. And then the same thing at the very end, know your conclusion. So if you keep it down to a three-point speech or presentation or the three most important aspects of a presentation, even if you have 40 points, then you're going to go from intro, one, two, three, and then conclusion, and always plan a conclusion. And if you have these five points and you understand their five points and you know what they are, then you're going to be able to stay on track so much better than just staring at a GPS or becoming a GPS. I do have a book about that as well, and it's called Right to Speak, and it tells people how to organize a speech and how to make it flow. I, I love that analogy. It's uh, it's brilliant. I've never heard of it that way, but it's uh, it's fantastic, and I, I I agree with you. That's the the best way to do it. I, I you know I always know what I'm going to talk about. I know my intro, my conclusion. I never memorize it. It doesn't work for me. I I go and flow. Right. right. Very few times people should memorize a speech. Really, if they're going to memorize a speech, it's because it's like a TEDx, and and I do TEDx coaching for a large scale, and some of the TEDx coaches or speakers that we work with. Their, their presentations, their speeches get seen to 100,000 or more people. So yeah, there are times where you need to memorize, but ultimately, even then, if you memorize without knowing what you're saying and you're just kind of calling the shots in, man, it's why an actor understands the character, knows the cat character. You know, Matthew McConaughey or Brad Pitt or whoever you like, they understand the motivations of the character. They really get what's called in character. That way they can present the character. So they might memorize the words, but they actually know what the character would say. And that sometimes switches the words. Excellent. And um, I know you've got a podcast yourself, so you might uh, tell us what well, it's about speaking as well, I believe. Yeah. And the whole idea of, the, of my podcast was I do a whole bunch of training on communication. And so all my all my speaking specific coaching is in my in my programs. But I started looking at how I was doing executive coaching, so leadership, and then I'm doing communication coaching, so speaking. And what I realized was I was saying the same thing when I talked to an executive on leadership. And I'm working with a CEO telling him like this and this and this. And then I'm working with a speaker and I'm saying, man, this is the same stuff. And leadership and communication go hand in hand. And so after resisting for a long time, what I started doing was just standing in front of my, my camera and doing some teaching on leadership and communication and how they go hand in hand. I just, I just filmed yesterday or two days ago, I guess, on how to teach kids because I'm teaching my kid financial management, personal. I'm teaching him entrepreneurship and I'm teaching him business management. And so I teach him and he's six years old. And, and the reason why it's part of the podcast is because how do you lead a kid? Well, you have to teach him. You have to tell him. And then how do you teach a kid? Well, you have to lead it and show him and model and influence him to get there. So I'm doing this. And a lot of friends were asking me, man, what are you doing with your five-year-old now six? What are you doing with him on 
Like he's got a business, he's got business cards, he's got equipment. We're teaching him about startup cost and overhead and business expenses and variable and fixed and periodic expenses. I mean, it's 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 pretty fun. Um, and I think that with the podcast, that's ultimately the type of thing I'm trying to do. It's like, hey, let me show you how leadership and communication go hand in hand in all areas of life, whether it's an interview or as a business executive or a writer, whatever it is, these two go hand in hand. And are you, do you get sponsors on it? Or are you actually promoting yourself? Because I mean, like people don't realize as well, we're having a podcast, you can promote your book, you can be mentioned about the book and, you know, people see the notes because, you know, like a podcast can be seen all around the world. Yeah, it's, it's been funny. I, I launched it as an extension of the brand of my, my company advance. And so it's called advance with Mike Acker. So I launched it kind of as an extension of that to share that, and just to kind of see where it went and where it goes. And it's been fun. People have reached out to me from my YouTube and then, and so it's a YouTube and podcast and have people have reached out to me from there and then connect, connected with me and then we've done other things. Or it's a great place for people like you, I'm gonna be on your show or I'm gonna do a keynote. It's a great place for people to find out more about me and kind of see what I do in front of people before they hire me to speak to their audience. Listen, Mike, it's been fantastic. You might tell us about the, what the other books are, the ones that are coming, and then how people can get in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at mikeacker.com, and, and I'm all over the internet. And as I said, I'm actually, my first book got translated into Italian just recently on May 25th, so two days ago. Um, my, my book's also getting translated to Thai right now. It's going out into Polish in 2022, which is, that's pretty cool and a couple other languages. So it's all over Amazon or really any bookstore you can find it. So that's Speak With No Fear. The second one I wrote was Write to Speak. It was gonna be a small little booklet and then it turned into a book. Basically colleges use it to teach their people how to write a speech and how to create something from nothing. And then the third book I released was with uh, another executive coach and keynote speaker. He's about 20 years ahead of me in this field. And so we wrote a book together right at the beginning of the pandemic, right, right before things closed down in Seattle, we sat down and planned out the book. So that's called Lead With No Fear. Then I have my little side project, Grow Your Soul. But upcoming, what I have is my re-release of Speak With No Fear Edition 2 and the workbook. Super excited about that. And then from there, Emotional Intelligence, Connect With Emotional Intelligence, from there, speak online and in virtual conferences. And then from there, speak with confidence. And then from there, get ready to speak. So stay tuned, because because it's been a writing frenzy. And then I'm going to take a break, I think. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, I wish you super success with all of them. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure people will be interested based on what you've talked about today, because uh, yeah, it's definitely something worth looking into. So listen, Mike, it's been fantastic. I'll put uh, all the links in the podcast description and the video. So thank you very much. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks so much for being on, having me on your show, Roy. Really appreciate it. And I wish you and all of your podcasts and your audience the absolute best. Thank you. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or on BitChute or on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up, share with your friends, give us a five-star rating. It all helps. Until next week, take care.